Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real people, real stories, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host and joining me as always, my co-host in life, my beautiful wife. Just Jen. You almost got ahead of me there. I know. I was was excited. You were quick on the draw. I was ready. You were triggered. Yes, triggered. in In a good way. Right. Like a gunfighter, ready to... battle at the okay corral you were like ready to say your name oh i'm annie oakley are you yeah you think you can do that spin gun spinning thing that you yes you 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 know like the gun spinning i think so i mean why not and then you fire and then you hit your target well it might take me a couple times so (laughs) (laughs) i don't think anyone wants to be my target (laughs) yeah no well it's like russian roulette yeah it takes you six shots to 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 hit what you're looking at yeah that or hit what you're aiming at yep well, I'm happy to have you. We are uh, freshly back from a rejuvenating vacation. We are uh, tan. Pandemic vacation um, in Mexico. So I'm I'm eager. I'm excited. I'm ready to are go. You? Are you ready for another hope show? I'm always ready for a little hope in my life. I know. When are you ever not ready? Yeah. For when hope? am I going to say no? Thanks. I have enough hope. <laughs> I mean, that's just not going to come out of my mouth, but I mean, it could. Who says that ever? Not me. Well, I'm glad to be coming back to California with a little cleaner air. Now, we are not out of the woods Mm -hmm. yet. No pun intended about the wildfires. The woods are still around us. Fires are still around us. It's still smoky in our canyon. I know. This is is really kind of unprecedented. This is probably the worst fire year California's ever had. And for those that don't live in California... It is amazing how much smoke is in the air, mm-hmm. and it's representative of fires that are hundreds of miles away, yet you're still inundated with this layer of yeah. haze and ash, and praying for all the people that are affected. I mean, uh, personal story, mm-hmm. my grandparents' home, my uncle had to, this last week, personally battle the fire, because he's in an, a fire area, had to save the house and the barn from a fire, but we know some friends um, up outside of Trinity County, Ruth area, that lost their homes yeah. because of the fire. So this is the first time a fire's really touched us personally in that way. So praying for all affected with what's going on. Right, and those firemen that are working so hard trying to get these fires out. I know. It's just, um, I don't know what the answer is, but it just does not seem like... Rain. Well, true. Rain. Unfortunately... <gasps> I have a rain stick. I can do a rain dance. Well, I'm Indian. I, so maybe I oh can. Oh my gosh. It's it's in the office. We have to go get it. We should do a rain dance together. Oh my gosh. This is We should film amazing. it. And we should post it on Hope Radio. Okay. That was going to be an interesting one. Wow. I don't really dance well, but I you do. I haven't played with that yet, so I don't know if it works, but I like the way it sounds. That, that rattle thing? Yes. How, do you know how to do it? No, I think you just... Do you shake it and just dance around? Shake it and Do we have to be dancing around a fire? How long do we dance? Until it rains. That could be a while. Well, that doesn't matter. It's magic. It'll probably start raining the minute we pick it up. Mm. We got to go... We got to go get to this main (laughs) stick. (laughs) ASAP. We got to solve this problem. I'm not kidding. What do you mean you're not kidding? They really work. Okay, You should know. You are Indian. I know I'm Indian, but I've never done a rain what, dance what's before. What's your tribe called? <laughs> why, why are you laughing? Because I think it's the funniest tribe on the planet. I, I hail from the Wailaki Indian tribe. The wacky tribe. No, Wailaki. Wacky? No, it's not wacky. It's Wailaki. Why can't you be like Chippewa or... 
Cherokee. Cherokee or Yeah, I know. Like I I don't know. That's just not Why you lackey? What? <laughs> you are just That was my joke for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of jokes, we actually have to do jokes. I know. It's joke time. I like joke time. We haven't done jokes in a while. I got jokes. You got jokes? Yeah. Well, let's do jokes then. Let's okay. hear your joke. You want to go first? I will go first. All right. Tell me what you got. Okay. What do Italians eat on Halloween? What do Italians eat on Halloween? I'm like squash spaghetti. <laughs> Fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I could see that one. Yeah. Fettuccine Alfredo. Afraid. Ooh, Ooh spooky. spooky. <laughs> All right, you ready for mine? I'm ready. Why can't you trust atoms, Jen? That's not A-D-A-M-S. It's A-T-O-M-S. Why can't you trust atoms? Um, aren't they just circles? <laughs> what are they? Atoms are like particles in the air? You can't trust atoms... Because they make up everything. Oh, see, I was right. That was funny. That was funny? Yeah. You didn't laugh. It wasn't funny. <laughs> I, I was still trying to figure out what an Adam was. <laughs> uh, I kept thinking like Adam and Eve, even though you told me it wasn't that. I why was, do you keep thinking that when I tell you it's not that? Because it was the first thing I thought of when you said Adam. Oh, I got it. And I gotta, apples. I got to do better on my jokes. They ate apples. If there's too many ways that you can think about it, it's not funny for you. I, I'm telling you, my mind, my brain works like crazy. See, and I always come back and say, if it works 20 times faster than mine, why couldn't you see all those different ways it worked and then find the funniest one and laugh for me? Well, it was tired. <laughs> Your brain was tired? I have jet lag. Oh, that's this is true. <laughs> all right. I love that. All right. So uh, we are about to interview... A fascinating guest. Okay. All right. So mm -hmm. we are going to talk with Kayleen Marshall. And this is the first time that we've had this subject, but I, uh, the subject matter or this type of a discussion. But mm -hmm. what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about people that are in situations where they have adults with disabilities, specifically, for example, in uh, Kayleen's situation, mm -hmm. she has an adult sister that is a Down syndrome sister. And the issue is, what do you do when the parents of adult children with disabilities pass away? Like, how, how do you care for that adult child, that adult sibling, et cetera, with disabilities? How, how do you prepare? How do you yeah. make arrangements? How do, you, how do they persist? How do they thrive? And so we're going to bring Kayleen on and talk about her story okay. with her sister and what she learned, mm -hmm. uh, what she uncovered, and what she found, and then what she can share with others that may be a uh, an opportunity for them. She's written a book, yeah. okay, Who Will Love Me? And uh, I think it's an awesome, awesome book. And she'll tell you how the title came about mm -hmm. in our in our show. Okay. But uh, all of the books, uh, if you order on our website, all of them are signed by her and her sister. And I think that will be Aww. really endearing once you hear the story. So I'm excited to have her on that. and excited to... Uh, connect with her yeah me too you ready yep should we call her up let's call her all right here we go
All right, I've got Kayleen Marshall on the line. Kayleen, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, John, for having me. Oh, it's sincerely our pleasure. We were excited to talk with you. I'm excited to kind of unpack your story of hope. But for the benefit of our uh, of our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, where do you live? Are you married? You know, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, I live in Algonquin, Illinois, in the north suburbs, northwest suburbs of Illinois. I'm married to Wally. We've been married for 32 years. Um, we have two boys, Jeffrey, who's 30, Jonathan, who's 28, and we have our dog named Bart. <laughs> I love that, and a dog yeah. named Bart. That's awesome. <laughs> what do you, what do, you yeah. uh, do professionally? What do you do for a living? Yeah, I'm a professional coach. I help executives and leaders move forward in their journey in building their businesses. And then I have this niche where I help families move forward um, that have maybe a child, a teen, or adult with special needs. And I help them um, on their journey. So I want to be a safe place for them to be able to tell their story and then to help them take next steps based on my story. Yeah, and, and you know, that's one of the things I wanted to uh, to talk about and excited to talk about is just, you know, obviously in our pre-discussion before doing the interview today, you shared with me about your story, and I, and I thought, man, there's got to be a lot of people out there that are in a very similar situation, and I felt like it was a story of hope, and I felt like the message that you shared with me, thus sharing with our audience, would be very, very well received for the people that are in those types of situations. And so, why don't we just jump right into it? Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your story of hope, and I know it regards around your sister, and so I'll let you kind of unpack it for the, the benefit of our listeners. Yeah, so um, I've done some research around this too, Sean. There's 11 million families in the United States that have an adult um, with disabilities in their home that's just in their home um, not really doing anything. And in Illinois alone, there's 30,000 families. So that's kind of what set me on my journey. In 2005, my dad passed away of a very rare blood disorder. And at that time, my mom sat down with us after he passed away, sat down with my husband and I and asked us to move to Arizona from Illinois. My kids were moving into high school and asked if we would move there and take care of Carrie. My, my mom lived in a, um, we had a ranch style home and there's a guest house behind it. So she had it in her head that she wanted to move into that guest house and have my husband and I and my kids move into the front house and take care of Carrie. And um, we would just take care of her, and she would set it up financially, and we would live happily ever after. Now, Carrie is your and sister, husband, and she's your, your adult yeah. sister with Down syndrome, correct? Exactly, yeah. So my sister has Down syndrome, and it was one of those things that I never wanted to happen. I wanted my mom and dad to plan. We had talked to my parents numerous times throughout my lifetime of um, maybe placing Carrie in a home or building a home or turning our home into a group home. But I never um, planned on taking care of Carrie myself. I never thought it would be healthy for her or for for myself. And um, when my dad died, I was like devastated because I knew my mom, she was the one that really wanted me to take care of Carrie. 
And so my husband said no, and that led on to a journey, a journey from 2005 to 2011 that my mom stopped speaking to us and wouldn't answer phone calls, nothing. So I didn't see my mom from 2005, 2011. She's living in Arizona, and we're here in Illinois. Until November of 2011, I received a phone call. I was sitting at the kitchen table, and the phone rang, and it said, Mom, across the top. And that's the first time I had seen that in how many years? Tell me that didn't uh, create a little heart rate jump or a little anxiety or, or whatever. Well, but before you, before you go on, I just wanted to ask also, how did you, how did you handle the lack of communication? Like, how did you process that three, four, five years into it? Like where, where, how did you move through that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there was a lot of anxiety, anger, um, we're both working in a church. The ironic thing is I have a special ed degree, and we're working in a church where I built um, a special needs ministry. So here I am helping other families, but yet I couldn't work through my family's issues. And I just felt um, abandoned. I felt like um, I didn't know what I was doing. I felt as a believer, as a Christian, I felt like I was failing. But I knew it was failing, right failing your before. sister, failing your mom, failing your family. Every everybody, yeah, everybody. And I knew though that I did not want my kids to take on in our family to take on Carrie and her needs. So I was trying to keep it very separate. So that's why we wanted to help my mom and walk through it with her. Um, but she wanted me to take care of Carrie and had it all set up to do that. So you get this call after six years of not speaking with your mother, all of a sudden you see her name yeah. roll across the top of your phone and you're going, uh-oh. Yeah. yeah, so I I picked up the phone and I called gallery kitchen and in our house um things were 
you you were defined by what was in your refrigerator. That's how I grew up. And I opened the refrigerator and I opened containers of food and they were covered with mold. Oh. The milk was bad. Wow. It was just honestly a mess. It was a mess. And my sister walked around the corner and looked at me. And my sister is about five foot eight. She's generally around a hundred pounds. I took her by the hand, went into the bathroom on the scale, and she was at sixty-seven pounds. Oh my gosh! And I was devastated. Sixty sixty-seven pounds for a female that's five eight. I mean, you're 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 literally talking about. I don't think you could go lower than that, Mm -hmm. and 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 be. Whoa! I mean, I I don't I don't even have any words like what that would feel like. Unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. So actually, she was four foot eight. I'm sorry, she was four foot eight, but still small and very, very like something was wrong. Something was wrong with her. So I went in the living room. My mom's sitting in a chair, and now mind you, we haven't seen each other. And um, she looks up at me, and her arm was really big. And I said, "What's wrong with your arm?" She said, "It's a spider bite." And I said, when's your next doctor's appointment? And she said, tomorrow. And I'm a problem solver. So I left her there, went into the bedroom, and found her, um, like, her pain medication on a table, and it hadn't been touched. And I'm like, what's going on? I can't figure this out. But I knew something was wrong. So Wally goes, you know what? I got the lawn. I got, don't worry about anything here. You get your mom to the doctor and we'll figure this out. And then, by the way, my mom said, and the doctor's on vacation, so you can't talk to the doctor. Wow. So I put her in the car the next day. I felt very um, just betrayed, betrayed, lied to, and um, set up, set up. Take her into the doctor, put her, she was taking radiation. Put her on the um, radiation table. And that's when I saw that my mom couldn't get her clothes off. And I'm just going to share this because it's a really important part of the story. She, um, her breasts were ulcerated. And that was not stage one breast cancer. It was stage four breast cancer. So I walked out of the room devastated. Like, it was traumatic. And I went up to the nurse's station. And I said, I need to find Dr. Grotti, which was on those pill bottles that I looked at. And the doctor, this doctor turned to me and she said, who are you? And I said, I'm Shirley Wolf's daughter, Keely Marshall. And she said, I'm Dr. Grotti. And I said, well, she told me you're on vacation. She goes, because she doesn't want you to know what's going on. Oh, and I, I, mean, I, I was devastated, mad, angry, yeah. sad. I mean, all of these emotions. So got my mom off the table put her in a room and she goes, no, we're going home. And I go, no, we're going to sit down with Dr. Grady. And I had asked the doctor for her chart and she said, I can't give it to you. Your mom won't let me give it to you. And I said, well, then I'm going to walk behind the, the station and get it myself. So I said, you just show me like alphabetically where it might be. And I'm going to take this. She's going to arrest me. I mean, you can, Jen, can you relate? Like, yes. we're just going to go for that. Jen's a, Jen's a figure it out kind of make it happen, bend the world to her will kind of a yeah. person. So you she, have to sometimes. Yeah, you got you. you gotta now, take doctor, charge. doctor, aren't aren't you due for a coffee break, sir? Aren't you due yeah. for a restroom break? I, I, I I've, I've watched too many TV shows. <laughs> yeah. I got it all figured oh, out. Right, and she 
I went into the room with my mom and I started reading the diagnosis out loud. I just figured it out. And I said, stage four breast cancer, you were given 30 days to live in November. And we're now in January. And I said, what's going on? And she goes, well, you already told me you wouldn't take care of Carrie. And I don't have any place for her. And I, I said, well, now we're in an emergency situation. You wouldn't talk to us for six years. So we're in an emergency situation. So my husband and I are problem solvers and got her home and, um, you know, put her in her bedroom. I went outside while he's mowing the lawn. And I just said, you're not going to believe this, but she has stage four breast cancer. She was given 30 days to live. And um, I'm going to have to go home, take a leave of absence and come back. I mean, there was just no other choice. Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. So I flew back home. And we took, I took time off of my job and flew back out February 1st of 2012 on February 8th. And you have to have guardianship in place. And that's what my mom didn't have in place. And so I took full guardianship on February 8th. I placed my mom in hospice the night of um, February 7th. So in the morning on February 8th, I placed her in the hospice. And on February 7th, Hence, my mom passed away. Whoa. So just... my life is upside down. Yeah. Wow. And so, like, I can imagine just a flood of emotions, uh, resentment, uh, anger, a remorse to some degree, like like here, here, six years gone and, and you're mom's got a diagnosis it's going to mean she's probably not going to be here in another two three four weeks like you just have to reconcile that and then you've got a now a sister that you have to care for that you didn't know you were going to have to care for I mean it just feels like a, a ton of bricks was just dumped on top of your head overnight how did you how did you yeah. how did you process that I mean what was it your faith was it yeah. just your your DNA and your resilience and you and your husband being a problem solvers like how did you weather those that three four weeks worth of turmoil you know in her last moments of breath she turned to my sister and it was really about my sister and her during the last her last breath they are looking and my mom right before she went unconscious she looked at my sister and said who's gonna love you like i did mm. and i never forgot that and I'm like, you know what? I know, I know she can be loved, even maybe more in the midst of my mom dying. So I hung on to that. I hung on to that. And then, you know, we went through the funeral. We brought Carrie back to Illinois for 60 days. I was allowed by the state to bring her back because my boys were graduating from college. So she traveled with us to college, to the graduation. And then we decided to move me to Arizona to take care of Carrie until we could figure this out. So I quit my job and moved to Arizona at the end of April with Carrie and um, started to get, get to know my sister. And that's when I started figuring out that Carrie actually could do way more and be more than um anyone could ever imagine mm. the hardest part though was her grief and I believe that if there would have been a transition through this knowing that my mom was sick 
that we could have helped transition Carrie to let go and to be able to say goodbye, not the way that she had to say goodbye in those last days. Yeah. And so all of that, go ahead. Is, is Carrie younger or older than you? Yeah. So Carrie is four years younger. And at the time I was 49. So that would have made her 45 ish. And so when we brought her back, well, I lived there for eight months in Arizona. I learned her pattern. She was involved with services. I learned her structure. I learned everything as much as I could about her. And at the same time, I was taking her to doctor's appointments, her heart doctor, her dentist. And at the heart doctor appointment, I asked, I said, can Carrie fly? Because I told she can't fly. And he goes, I've never said that. He goes, your Carrie, Carrie could get on an airplane. He goes, your mom's afraid to put her on an airplane because of what might happen. I said, can Carrie move to Air- Illinois? Can she be around cold weather? He goes, what's the difference between 120 degrees in Arizona or uh, minus 20 degrees in Illinois? <laughs> it's all the same. Carrie could handle that. And I started realizing that my mom had made up this story about what was best for Carrie. Now, I do want to say this. My mom and dad did a fabulous job with my sister. She's amazing. My sister's amazing. And it's all they knew. Mm-hmm. And when Carrie was born in the 60s, there was nobody to help them. Carrie was never supposed to live. She has three holes in her heart. And so she's the Down syndrome person that's never had the operation for the heart. And now she's, now she's 54 years old and thriving, thriving. So I really believe, you asked me how I um, really worked through this. I am a woman of faith. And I am a Christian. And I do believe that God's using Carrie's life to change other people's lives. One being mine. One being mine. Yeah. I, so I, I began. Well, I want, before you go on, I, I, I just wanted to say part of me wonders if, if your mom wasn't codependent on Carrie. In other words, that she had come to a place in her life where she she needed to to have her around, and the whole idea that Carrie could be independent or more independent or whatever. I'm just I'm just wondering how that happens. You know, like how does it happen to where you know there is no exploration of alternatives, there is no you know pursuit of a better solution to the situation. And I just wonder if it was a codependency kind of situation. Yeah, and I truthfully, without, I want to say this very cautiously, because these parents that pour into their son and daughter, they've given their life for it. They have, and they've, I've met thousands of them. In the same breath, though, I'm going to, I'd like to tell another story during this time about how a mom was so codependent that when she died, her son, he didn't have anything and somebody had to come alongside of him like nobody was there to take care of him so that's part of the journey too but yes i see a lot of what i would call amendment or codependency on each other oftentimes the, the statistics are families with special needs kids 93 percent are divorced and the dad just leaves so the mom takes on the care not every family but that's the majority and so that's what happened. And my dad even said to me, he goes, I'm glad I'm going. He goes, I'm glad I'm going first. And I was like, oh, 
you know, just a heartache because I was so close to my dad. Yeah. And, but my dad, my mom knew everything about my sister. She knew everything. Drugs, pills, doctors, nurses, everything about Carrie. My dad didn't know everything about Carrie. And so it's that care that, that, that mom that's fighting for their kid. And through the system, my mom fought for her. And got her into the best schools and fought for doctors and fought for, you know, what was right for her. And that's why Carrie has done so well. You know, Carrie is very fit for a down person. She's not overweight. My parents have done nutrition with her, taught her nutrition. Carrie does not eat sugar. You know, she um, exercises as much as she can with her heart. But there's so much more that Carrie could have been doing. And that's part of the story of how we've just taken her to the next level. And when we moved her here, finally, after several months, we actually sold the home and moved her here in with us. And a huge transition, um, only because I couldn't be away from my family anymore. Yeah. And it was tearing us apart. Yeah. That, us that, apart. that long away, you know, the, the trials and tribulations, you got kids, you got a husband, you're gone for months and months and months, and it just seems like a really challenging situation so now you're faced with how how are we going to do this and this is where the problem solving side of you i think kicked in so then you start doing all this kind of research about facilities you know yeah. places etc so walk us through uh, how that unfolded yeah so i did her back here in 2013 it was two, the end of 2012 i'm turning 50 and it's her 25th wedding anniversary my husband throws a huge party for me because i've been gone and we're transitioning Carrie. We, um, she now, get this, is in the program that I created back in 2000 at Willow Creek Church. Mm. So I can see God connecting all the dots for her. Okay? I'm and like, for you. She's taking a glimpse. And yeah, for you. Like, yeah, I'm like, she's taking advantage of the things that I did back in 2000. And she loves it. You know? So I, we put her in the program on Wednesday night, which is for adults, and then we went out on our date night. That was kind of our respite, and she loved it, and we were great. And I could just see, one by one, God intervening. So after that party, I thought, I'm going to get my life back. And I'm going to go, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to figure this thing out with Carrie. I am not going to be a slave of sitting at home taking care of her for the rest of my life. Because that's really a thought. That, that was a thought. I'm stuck now, and I will not be able to move on. And it's going to ruin my relationship with my husband because I knew the statistic. I knew the statistic. So, and, not, and not to um, mention potentially create resentment from you toward Carrie because you like you never asked for this. This yeah. is not, you know, your parent your 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 parents chose to to create another life, and you know you want to have your ability to live yours. And so I, I imagine that it just felt overwhelming and very burdensome. To now be in a situation where you're having to care for a sibling that way. Exactly. And she was resentful towards me because I was the one that told her that mom was dying. Her caretaker, her, the love of her life was dying. So she was mad at me. Not at everybody else, but me. So every decision that was made by me, she was mad. But Wally could make decisions or my boys could make decisions and she would listen to them wholeheartedly. But I was the one, now her guardian, protecting her, doing what I needed to do legally for her. And um, it was really hard because she was mad at me and I was getting mad at her. And that's what, that's, was, that's where 
faith hard. has to kick in. <laughs> you just got to trust. You don't understand. Yeah. You just got to get, you just got to give it to God. Sometimes you just got to let go of it and go <laughs> yeah. like, I don't understand. I don't know where this is going, but Father God, I trust you. Like, help me please. Cause I feel like I'm going <laughs> underwater here. Right. And that's where I learned I needed a team around me. So I actually went back to the gym. I go, I wanted to do an Ironman or Olympic on something. I'm going to do that. I don't care what that takes. <laughs> I started my business. I hired a, a business coach and I hired a spiritual director. And I go, I'm going to get this all aligned because I'm a mess. I'm a mess. And it really this actually broke me and took me back to really defining who I was. So I was, I am grateful for that. I am grateful for that season of my life. Now I can look back on it. But at the time I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of the bed in the morning and know which way to go because there were so many decisions to make. Like sit in the social security office and, and that was all canceled when we moved here to Illinois. Sit there for six hours waiting for somebody to help us. And nobody would help me unless I took Carrie with me because, and then when she would, when it, well, when she'd show up in the social security office, they're like, somebody would help me immediately. So I learned a lot. And I, you know what? I learned what my mom did. I learned what my mom did. Probably helped you to see her differently, right? Probably helped you to understand her to some degree a little better, having to deal with the same types of information, systems, processes, schedules, medicine, all that other stuff. I, I really feel like when you sit in somebody else's shoes, it makes you much more able to be empathetic to why they were the way they were, mm-hmm. potentially. Yeah, everything. And have a lot more compassion and be able to go, okay, just breathe. And God, you got this. I could see him working every single day. So if I chose to, to see him work every single day. Let's talk, let's talk about that because I really felt like one of those God moments was the, you're doing research, you're trying to find a facility and none are available. So walk us through that portion of your story. Yeah. So did research 11 million families. Illinois is the worst. Well, at the time was 40, 49 of the worst state the, of taking care of the disabled. And I go, great. I've moved her from Arizona. I didn't even <laughs> look at this. How stupid am I? I moved her from Arizona, top five, all the programming, all the resources, and I bring her here and everything stops for her. So I'm fighting for it, trying to figure it out, learn about it. Then I started writing my book. Somebody said, why aren't you writing this down? And I go, it's just too much work. It's just too much work. Well, start writing it down. So I did. I would start journaling, writing it all down. And then... Um, I am walking down the street in Barrington, Illinois, and I come across a woman with a daughter with Down syndrome. And I said, where do you take your your daughter to the doctor? And she goes, oh, the Down syndrome clinic in Parkridge, Illinois. It's the largest clinic of its type, and it's the best. Dr. Sacoin is known all over the world for taking care of Down syndrome. And I go, in Illinois? Nobody ever told me that. I was told the best doctor from my mom was the one she was taking care of, too. But that was just at Mayo Clinic, a doctor. This is the Down Syndrome Clinic that's known all over the world. I go, you have got to be kidding me. So I called him up, made an appointment, got her in the next day, and that's become her doctor. They're hooked, now get this, they're hooked to the best doctor in the country with Terry's heart condition. 
I'm like, you have to be kidding me. You're you're giving <laughs> me goosebumps right yeah. now, right, Jen? Right. Like I, you're, I'm getting. Girl, I can't make this stuff up. I'm getting all these like this this chance encounter, you know, with another you know mom that's got a Down syndrome child, and come to find out where you actually have already been living is known worldwide as the best place to be for Down syndrome. Which your sister, oh man, goosebumps. That's a, that's a god nugget. That's a that's a god nugget right yep. there. That's a that's a that's a whisper. That's him going, hey, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right. You know. We love and those. Every, every day. I'm not kidding. Every day I have these. And I'm like, okay, you're up to something. I'm just going to walk by faith every day. I'm going to get out of bed. And honestly, Jen and Sean, we had days that it wasn't so beautiful either. Oh, I we bet. We had some many hard days. Many hard days. Okay. Because Carrie, um, in her, she's o- she has um, OCD. And um, if things aren't aligned, she throws them away. So there was a lot of stuff missing in our house and lots of stuff that I had to rebuy over and over and over, which is really hard over and over and over and over. I, to- so, I totally get that. Biggest- <laughs> Jen's yeah, a little OCD too. I'm a little OCD too, but I'm not going to throw it away because it's going to be me that has to rebuy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. Well, we, we totally also not. we also had a son that prided himself on uh, quote unquote acquiring some of our stuff because he felt like if it hadn't been touched or used in a while, then it was free for him to acquire. So he used to acquire our yeah. stuff all the. Where did that go? Yeah. Where did this happen? You know? No, I know where it yeah. goes. On Christmas, it would be wrapped under the tree, and then we would open it and be like, "He'd give really? it back to us." <laughs> He'd gift it back to us. That's Aren't scary. you happy? I knew you wanted yeah. it because you already had it. Well, th- this is our Colby, and he's a little OCD too. So maybe that's the way he dealt with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was a couple times where at Willow, we're on our date night, and we would come back and pick up Carrie after her program. And this lady walked up to me with a stack of shoes. <laughs> And she goes, I need your shoes. And I said, yeah. I go, where'd you get those? And she said, well, we had a shoe drive tonight at Willow Creek. Now, you can imagine thousands of shoes, right? <laughs> and she goes, I saw Carrie putting these shoes in the box when they she walked forward. She goes, I knew they weren't hers. And I'm like, thank you. I mean, they're like my $200 pair of And I'm like... And then it's the same night. It's the same night that she had visit my business cards that passed out 500 of my business cards to invite people to her birthday party. <laughs> so it's that kind of <laughs> We've had our moments. It's all good though. We laugh. We've laughed a lot. Oh, that's funny. So, so, so this woman tells you I'm... tells you about this facility, and I remember you saying something to me about the fact that it was very hard waiting list, all this stuff to get into yeah. this Down syndrome yeah. facility. Right. So probably one of the best moments along with this is I'm at a Special Olympics with Carrie and we're late. And again, God knew where I was supposed to sit. There's one chair and I sit down and this lady, I said, is anybody sitting here? And she goes, no. And I go, well, and I turned her and I go, hey, I'm writing a book. Who's her daughter? And she goes, oh, that's my daughter right there. And I go, she goes, that's your daughter? And I go, no, that's my sister. And she goes, um, do you have her in a home? out of the blue and I said oh no I've been I I said I live in the worst state there's there's no homes for her there's 300 people on a waiting list in every place she goes have you heard of um 
and I, I can't say the facility um, just because it's legally for Carrie, mm-hmm. but Carrie is, um, she said the name of the facility. And I said, I've never heard of it. And um, she goes, well, I think there's one bed open. You should go over and talk to that person over there and see if you could get a tour. And I go, that just sounds so impossible, weird. I've been working on this for three and a half years now. And nobody ever told me about this. So I got home. And um, now I'm going to get emotional. My husband, he goes, you know, he had no idea I had this conversation. He goes, I've been thinking, and we need to really work hard on finding a facility for Carrie. I'm tired. And I go, well, yeah. And I go, well, you're not going to believe what happened at the Olympics. This woman I was sitting next to said that there's one bed open in this facility, in this community, and um, you should go check it out. And And he goes, I think you should go check it out. So I called the next day. They got a tour the next day, met with the admin people. They said, bring her in. Let's just do a tour and see how it works. And I go, but you have a waiting list. Don't you have like 300 and families? And they go, yeah. And we have a process for that. But we want to meet her. Mm-hmm. I go, really? So I came home while he was feeding Carrie dinner. And I sat down next to her and I said, Carrie, I go, how would you like to move into your own bedroom like the boys do, they have an apartment. How would you like to move into something that's your own? She goes, me move out? And I said, yeah. I go, how would you like to move out? What do you think? Now, she's Carrie's mentality is at a five-year-old to mm-hmm. kind of get the framework for this. A few minutes later, she leaves the table. She goes upstairs. She's, you can hear kaponk, kaponk. You can hear things moving. I went up and I go, what are you doing? And she goes, me packing. I'm moving out. <laughs> I go, what? She was ready. It was like, yes, God yeah. had already prepared her. And I said, Terry, why do you want to move out? And she goes, because I want you to stop bossing me around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the truth. Go, the truth of, uh, you know, children, uh, they, they just don't know any limitation, et cetera. So here, here you got <laughs> her as a, as a five-year-old in, in terms of her intellect telling you the truth. I'm tired of you bossing yeah. me around. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here. So um, I called, I called somebody that worked alongside of her in the program, the program at Willow Creek and I said would you take her out to dinner and just check this out like would you just spend some time with her so that was Friday she took her out I gave them 40 bucks for dinner they didn't go to dinner they went to Target and bought stuff for the apartment <laughs> and I'm like okay so they came back and she was feeling she's ready we're not even like and I go okay God, you got to make this happen so Make the appointment for them to meet. The, if, if the facility is Catholic, and that's the other thing I had to let go because I'm, you know, I, I'm not Catholic, and I didn't think they would accept us. So to me, it was like already closed door. And we walk. Now remember, I've already gone on a tour with them. Okay, they've asked me about Carrie, her favorite color, what is she like. So I drop Carrie off at the door. I park my car. I come back. Carrie stands up. She goes, this is, this is me's sister. She takes care of me. 
And she looked at these three nuns and she said, me speak to you. And she just took her like finger at them. And I'm like, oh no, this is it. We're not going to be accepted. She's going to say something. And she goes, and she gave the sign of the cross across her chest. And Uh she goes, me don't do this. Me a Christian. I love Jesus. Like that. And I'm like, what? Wow. And the nun said, without a beat, Carrie, we love Jesus too. Mm. And we love pink. We know pink's your favorite color. (laughs) They had a pink pen. They gave her pink paper. And they had socks on under their gowns. And they lifted up their gowns and said, and we love pink too. Oh my gosh. Wow. Jen, Jen loves pink know, too. Her, I, her uh, nickname is Pink Cupcake Girl. So, you know, she, she, she's simpatico yeah. with Carrie. I like cupcakes too. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was in tears. Yes. Wow. It was like they paid attention to mm-hmm. who she was. So they, yeah, so they went on it. Now get that. So I'm going to connect this back with my mom. They take her on a tour, but they're, we're not going the same way that I went, that they showed me where Carrie might live. We're going a different way. And I'm like, where are they taking her? And they go, well, um, because we've already, um, just in a few minutes, we might make some adjustments. And she's going to end up in our own room with sharing a bathroom instead of in this other place where she would have to share a multi- a big bathroom. And I go, really? And that was like, oh, my gosh, she might even get her own room. Wow. Like, it's even better than I yeah. thought. Yes. So they, they came back. They took her up in front of me, they stopped her, they turned around and they came back and they go, Kayleen, we already love her. Mm. And I go, but my mom was worried that nobody would love her. Oh. And so we got home and she goes, we move out. And I was like, oh, could this really happen? So um, 60 days from that point, she moved into the facility, and she has loved it ever since. She goes to work every day. She um, gets up at 6 o'clock, which she never did with my mom. She has her own room that she's responsible for. She has lots of structure. She has a job she goes to that she loves. Sure, there's some transitions, but she loves it. Now when she comes to visit us, she only wants to stay for two or three days because she's ready to go back to her home. (laughs) That's her home. Beautiful, isn't it? Yes, it's 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 such a uh, such an incredible story, such mm-hmm. a God story. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean. Oh, like yeah. through yeah. through the ashes of frustration, resentment, letdown, guilt, worry, etc. Just just the carnage. You know, like I just sit here and marvel at your story because you know here you were you were not you were in a job that wasn't what you're doing now. And so through this mm-hmm. whole transition, I'm you and your husband weathered this challenge, mm-hmm. probably brought you closer together when everything was said and done. Your sister yeah. is thriving. You now, because of yeah. this challenge, are in a job and being an entrepreneur and probably doing what you love and probably what you were destined yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, you yeah. know, but in the midst of it, it just feel, it probably felt like hell. Felt like, like, why me? Like, mm-hmm. why is this happening to me? Like, uh, you know, I can yeah. imagine you could feel like, oh, 
oh, you know, just one day after another, because there's, I, I heard the subtlety of what you were saying too. There's a point where you were probably worried about your marriage. When your husband yeah. comes to you and said, I'm tired. You know, I remember Jen saying to me at, at one point, I was, I was working in a business where I was at weekends and always gone. And she's like, I feel lonely. And I'm like, uh Oh, like, that's not a good, you know, that's not a good sign when your, your wife is saying that. So I could imagine just all of these emotions and all of these feelings and all of this frustration and probably feeling like, how am I ever going to solve this problem? Yet now, as you tell the story and I get the hindsight yeah. view, as do you, it was like yeah. a perfect symphony, like a chess match. Like he's making a move here and a move here and a move here and a move here. You fast forward five years yeah. and oh my gosh, how beautiful was that? Yeah. Yeah. So in the midst of that, I'm writing this book, right? To help other families because people are saying, could you write it down to help us? Can you write it down to help us? And I'm like, oh, I'm not a writer. I'm a communicator. You know, this is really hard to get it down. And we had these um, parties at Christmas time for Carrie when she moved in. I wanted to teach her to give back. So at Christmas time, we would invite all of her friends over from Willow Creek, from group homes, from all the places that I know, the special needs community. And it had grown over the years. So now we're in like the sixth year. Carrie is actually in a, the home now. So this is the Christmas after she moves into the home. And we're having a party, and there was always one parent that would show up. I would never invite the parents because, one, it's too many people in my house. And, two, the parents kind of take over, and the, and the adults are different when they're around their parents like kids are. This one mom always showed up. And I'm like, oh, I'm frustrated. <laughs> and Wally goes, you know what? He goes, I got her. I'm going to put her in the dining room. I'm going to put her in the dining room. Um, just, just let it be. Now, I had talked to this mom about transitioning her son. I've talked to a lot of parents. You know, what's this like for you? How can I help you? How can I help you move forward? And about 7.45 at the party, this volunteer came into the kitchen and said, Kayleen, the woman in the dining room, the mom, she doesn't look well. And I went around the corner, and she was um, having she had that same death rattle that my mom had. And her head was tilted back and unresponsive. So we called the ambulance. Now, I have a 100 adults with special needs in my house. You have to picture this. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. We have to clear it. Nobody moves fast. Nobody moves fast. We've got to clear a way to get the ambulance in here. So my kids, my two boys, they're like, Mom, I'm going to get the door off the front door to get the ambulance in. We'll just move people really slowly. Don't worry. And nobody even really knew anything was going on except for, like, myself and my husband and the volunteers. Because they just wanted their gifts under the tree because we were going to do, like, a <laughs> gift exchange. They had their number. And they're like, why are you moving this out of the living room? And I'm like, um, we're just going to move you out of the living room for a few minutes. And so in comes the fire department, in comes the police department, in comes the ambulance. This lady is having a heart attack, a massive heart attack. She's unconscious. They bring her back to life. They put her on the gurney, and she is in, now she's alive. And she's a mom, and her son is standing there not really knowing what's happening. He has no idea what's happening. And I'm just looking, at, I'm, wa- I'm just like watching this through like a glass window. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, and my kids said, hey, how's your book coming, mom? And I go, 
And Wally goes, I think you should get your book off the shelf, and this is what's going to start your book. This story right now that's happening in our living room. And I go, oh, my gosh. And uh, they get her out, and she grabs, on the gurney, she grabs my doorway, and she looks at me right in the face, this mom, and she goes, who's going to take care of my son if I die? Jeez. Whoa. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <sighs> they get her in the ambulance, they take off, and she dies in the ambulance having another heart attack. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. And so that's why I got my book off the shelf. And I said, I really believe parents need to hear this about transitioning when I know there's 11 million families and what is this going to look like? And then how can I help them? How can my organization help them move forward? So that's why I wrote the book. So to tell us what the title of the book is, uh, let's make sure everyone knows what that is. And anybody that's listening that has, uh, you know, a sibling, a family member, a friend that's got an adult, uh, you know, uh, disabled Down syndrome type uh, person, how can they get resources from what you have experienced? Yeah. So um, the book is entitled Who Will Love Me? Mm -hmm. Taken really from my story. Um, They can get it on Amazon. Or they can get it off my website at KayleenMarshall.com. And um, if you order it off the website, Carrie um, has every book autographed um, that we send out. Oh, that's awesome. That's cute. That we send out. And I'd be more than happy to. But um, really the goal is to get our story out. I actually, the book is just over 100 pages. And I did that deliberately so people would read it because I know families don't have a lot of time. So the chapters are two to three pages long with process questions. I've had several families buy books for their entire, like siblings and family, and do the book together as a process book to start working through even having the book ask questions that some of the family members might want to ask, but it might be too threatening. So let the book ask the question and allow people to practice in a safe environment. So let's let's do something right now um, that I think would help somebody that's listening. So imagine that you could talk to your mom right now, 10, 15 years ago, knowing what you know now, what would you say to her? And then what would you say to somebody else that may be resistant to the idea that nobody can care for their children like like they can? You know, like I I just really feel like there's a message, a deep down message here. And I think you're the best person to explain that message. Yeah, wow, that brings a lot of emotion, Sean. Um, What I would say to my mom now is you did an amazing job. You and dad did an amazing job. And guess what? There is a God that loves Carrie because she is fully cared for in a bigger way than I could even. You put limitations on me as the daughter. There are things happening in Carrie's life that I didn't even know. And yet, and, and if we could have, my hope would have been that we could have started working through this, listening to me as your daughter of how we could have processed this differently and had a better relationship through that. I think so that's, that's well, what I would have wanted to say. I think that's very, very well said. And, uh, you know, to somebody that might be resistant right now, I mean, I really feel like the message that you're saying, I, I feel like Carrie is thriving. Yeah. Whereas before, under the care of your of your mother, she was surviving. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? Like she was, she was yeah. well taken care of, but like her, what she's able to do now, how she's able to grow, having a job, having this, having some independence, having the, I feel like she's thriving and I don't think she was thriving prior to that. Yeah. And Carrie has influence now. Mm-hmm. Carrie's influential in, in the community that she's in. She's a leader. Carrie's, I'm um, talking. She's more. Carrie um, was in a wheelchair. My parents used the wheelchair to get around because of her heart. Carrie has never, never once used the wheelchair with us. Never once. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Now one so, one last uh, one one last piece of it. I, I also feel like there's a message here that's deeper down, relative to really the broader message of hope, which is what we're all about here. And I feel like there's people right now going through a season. Certainly somebody listening is going through their season of despair, their season of overwhelm, their season of anxiety. And I feel like you were in that season, probably had moments and days where you just felt like, why am I even doing this? Probably wanted to give up, probably felt like, you know, the weight of the world was on your shoulders. Yet now as you are past it, you persevered, you made it through. But now as you're past it and you reflect back on that season, I almost, you didn't use these terms, but I, I feel like you almost look at it as a blessing in disguise for all of you. Yeah. It changed your life. It changed yeah. Carrie's life, probably changed your marriage, probably a great example for your sons too, of coming alongside family and figuring stuff out and, you know, using the experiences that you have to then pass on to others. I mean, what an example that you're setting for your kids. So how do you reflect on that challenging time now? Is it a yeah. blessing in disguise? Do you see it that way? Yeah. And Really, the key element, and I talk about this in the book, is find your tribe. A lot of families have isolated themselves and feel isolated um, because of their child. But find your tribe. Get around people that validate you and can identify with you and accept you and pray for you and confront you and to listen to them. You talk about resistance. There are oh, a lot of families I come about them. Every they're resistant. They're yeah, but Carrie, but Carrie's high, more high functioning. Yeah, but but you have a husband who loves you. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but I disagree with all of that. I believe that God loves that family with the single mom, the single dad, the married couple that's a mess. Their family's a mess. And to look at it and go, what am I resisting? And my mom and dad were unable to look at the resistance. And what happens when we resist, there's good, our ego takes place. And there's good ego. It's for all of us, even in our marriages with our kids. We all have good ego. That's why we're on the show today. It's it's why we um, get out of bed in the morning. But there's bad ego, that pride and blame and projection and transfer. We all do that. And so when parents start transferring, or yeah, but Carrie, yeah, but this, yeah, but this, I say, no, let's get to your feelings. What are you feeling right now? Let's get beyond the ego. What are you feeling? And I work with those families and I say, what are you feeling? I feel really sad. I'm just really sad feeling. Okay, you're sad. Let's work on that then. But don't blame or don't say, yeah, but Kayleen, your life is better. Yeah, but don't use the yeah, but it's what are you feeling? You're sad, you're mad, you feel anxious, you feel, and when you, and when I, I went through this whole process, I used all of this. Um, Dr. This is from Dr. Townsend's leadership stuff. 
And there's a book that's called Change or Die that I've worked through to help me because I didn't want to die. I didn't want to be divorced. I wanted to change for the better. And so God has used Carrie's life for me to get better. And Carrie's life is so much better than it's uh. ever been. Ah, that's just like God to take, to, to, to turn, uh, take an, and turn beauty out of ashes to, to bring back that yeah. restoration, to make it better than it was. But in that change, in that process, in that, in that process of being molded and sculpted and challenged and stretched and changed, you know, you rose higher, but the rising higher process often involves being uncomfortable, going through discomfort yep. and, uh, what a testament to you. And so if anybody's listening, I, I want to reiterate your website. So it's www.kaleen. It's K-A-L-E-E-N Marshall, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L.com. So they can connect with you there. And uh, I just want to say, ah, been a fascinating discussion. Really, really fascinating discussion. And uh, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you so much for what you shared and and uh, your story and Carrie's story and, and for being vulnerable. I, I feel like there's a powerful message here to anybody that's caring for an adult special needs child. And, and I think that uh, your story and Carrie's story is going to benefit others tremendously. Yeah, great. Thank you, Sean, so much. Thank you. All right, Jen, what did you think about our interview with uh, Kayleen Marshall? I think Kayleen is an awesome sister. I love her. You know, I, I felt the same way. Like, mm -hmm. when you think about what she went through, that's, I mean, that's a huge, let's let's be frank, it's yeah. a huge burden. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, as I alluded to in the show, it's not something that she asked for, but it's the situation she was presented with. Right. You know? And then how she handled that. You know, the, the, the concern, mm -hmm. the disruption, yes. the stress, her own marriage, her own kids, right. care and concern for her sister, the, the way it all happened with her mom. Like, I, I just look at that and gone, man, it could have been so different. The relationship with her mother could have been so different. The yeah. planning could have been, you know, it's like if you don't create a plan. Yeah. What is that analogy? It's, it's like uh, either. If you don't, if you don't. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yes. Yes. 
You did it. I did How, it. High five. I couldn't, I, you know, high like five. I used to, I used to regurgitate that to my uh, financial clients, but it just was not coming up I for me. I told you I'm really smart. You are. I know. Thank you for the, for the assist, the contribution there. You are so there. welcome. I got you. But that's the point, right? Like if you don't plan, mm-hmm. you, it's, it, you're leaving a mess. Yes. You're just literally leaving a mess. And, and I think that's what was dumped on uh, Kayleen's front yard was just this mess of having to unravel the yeah. lack of planning in yeah. the whole situation. I can see how at first it's like so stressful. Like, oh my gosh, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. But she figured it out. Like she's pretty amazing. She is. Mm-hmm. And I and I think the message, there's a, there's a definite nugget of hope in all of this. And it's, and it's like a gargantuan mm-hmm. nugget. It's like that nugget that some guy found that's like 400 ounces or whatever, wow. you know, worth like millions. Here's the idea that... Actually, Carrie, her sister, mm-hmm. is thriving. Yes. See, the idea is, oh, nope, no one's going to love her better than I do. Oh, no one's going to care for her better. But yet, you can actually limit mm-hmm. someone with disabilities because of your your desire to keep them mm-hmm. sheltered and protected, etc. I feel like Carrie, when she talks about responsibility and she's got this job and she's in a leadership role and all this other thing, Carrie is thriving. Right. And you wouldn't have expected that. Mm-mm. Based on the situation, certainly her mom didn't see that or didn't expect that. Well, as a parent, I will honestly say when she was, you know, telling her story, I'd be like her because I honestly feel like nobody can raise our boys better than me or you. But like, like I love them so much and I wouldn't, I would be more afraid of what would happen if they weren't in my 24 seven care. Like, yeah. are people being mean to him? Are they saying mean things to him? Because people are mean. Yeah. So, like, I understood that. Like, I would want to know that they, I'd want them to feel so loved. And I yeah. knew that I could do that. So, I get that. But, like, as you age and if you have, you know, health ailments, like, you can't control that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So then that's when you run into problems. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. I guess I'm just a little bit more pragmatic and, and understand that I, I can't be everything to everyone. And there are some people that are better equipped at dealing with that kind of stuff than I did. And I, yeah. and I think Kayleen did a great job she of did. really kind of researching that. And if it wasn't for those nuns really kind of taking her aside mm-hmm. and going, listen, we love pink. And the way that they did I that with, that. with Carrie, I, I just, the pink socks. Right. Right. You know, like, you know that she's going to be in good hands Yeah, and and look at how she's thriving. So I, I just think that's a, it's a God story. It's a faith story. It's a hope story. I just, I loved it. I, I was, I love that. She was like, she was ready to move out. She's like, I'm yeah, I'm out of here. I'm tired me, of you telling me what to do. Me, me moving out. <laughs> I I'm tired it. of you telling me what to do. Like she's been waiting her whole, whole life for that. <laughs> yes. And for those that are listening, if you want to connect, I, I'm sure Kayleen's got resources. She's got a great book, Who Will Love Me? And uh, you can find her on KayleenMarshall.com. That's K-A-L-E-E-N Marshall, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L. Dot com and you can connect with her there, find resources there. And uh, thank you so much, Kayleen, for, yes. for your truth and for your story. It was awesome. Yes, thank you. All right, Jen, if people want to hear more of our Hope Radio podcast and connect with us, how do they do so? They can reach out to us on Hope Radio Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. And they can listen to us. We've got a lot of other episodes. We're up to now, I think, 85, 86 episodes. And you can find us searching... All the platforms. Anywhere. Anywhere where you listen to your podcast, we are there. All you do is search Hope Radio Podcast and you'll find us. Like us, subscribe, leave us a review, you know, anything like that. We'd love it. Yes, please and thank you. Well, Jennifer, I think we should do another Hope show. I think I had so much fun today. I think we should double down and have a double helping and I think we should do another show tomorrow. Well, okay. 
Let's do it. Okay.